Are you feeling low, nervous, or plagued by a sense of general unease? If so, I get it. Shit is about as weird as it gets at the moment. But I'm here to tell you we are not beyond hope. Take, for example, the modern hospital. If ever you need a reminder of how you are but a small part of a much larger operation, maybe take a moment to visit one of these marvels by bringing a bunch of coffee or some pastries to a random floor of nurses, techs, and doctors. They'll appreciate it for sure. But if you really want to get a sense for the heights achieved by the human project, make it a children's hospital. I make this unsolicited recommendation based on experience. A few days ago, a skilled pediatric surgeon at the UCSF Children's Hospital, along with a competent team of nurses, poked a couple of holes in my groin, traversed the length of my torso with a variety of delicate and expensive medical devices, then plugged a hole in my heart with what looks to me like a Gore-Tex cocktail umbrella. I found myself in need of this strange operation after a small stroke blindsided me. Since that stroke, I've been in the hospital and under the influence of heavy narcotic sedation three times. Once, for the procedure where my cardiologist determined I was in need of the aforementioned heart-plugging device. A second surgical procedure necessitated drugging me into submission to repair a tear in the meniscus of what was previously my good knee. And finally, to prevent me from having another stroke, the tablecloth of my consciousness was yanked deftly from underneath the crazily set table of my cluttered personality and the hole in my heart was permanently sealed. To be perfectly honest, I find myself aching for that untroubled oblivion. When I think of my own eventual death, imagining the nothingness of anesthesia to be a test run or preview for the hereafter brings me great comfort. However, my own death and a chemically induced peek into the void are not the only topics on my mind. As I mentioned, I was gifted a unique perspective-enhancing experience, which sang to me with a mix of hope, bravery, kindness, and enormous heaps of sadness. My visit to the cardiac surgery wing of the UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital in San Francisco. When I arrived at the hospital at 5.30 a.m., escorted by my wife and dog. The vibe of the hospital was decidedly different from the typical clinical atmosphere of hospitals for adults. Those buildings, normally designed to convey a sense of sterile proficiency, bereft of stylistic elements which might suggest anything fun was about to happen, and often showcasing artwork most people are happy to keep at the hospital, do little to lift the spirit. In contrast, the children's hospital was large, airy, and cheerful by design. Spaciousness was the dominant impression. Tempered glass covered the facade, allowing natural light, or the warm glow of city lights from darkness in my case, to gently embrace the upbeat and fanciful decor. Even in the throes of pandemic-specific restrictions and protocols, one could appreciate the creativity which had gone into the artwork. The atrium of an entrance was stylishly tuned up with interactive and colorful art pieces. The walls in the waiting rooms and patient recovery rooms were tastefully decked out with silhouettes of animals in non-threatening poses. 
an obviously curated selection of hand-drawn pictures done in crayon, were taped to the cabinet doors behind the reception and information desks, presumably crafted by kids who had survived their visits. I was not given the opportunity to contribute, the ambiance benefiting from the omission of my work. Any sense of fear or worry for my own well-being was eased as soon as I walked into the waiting area. A television was playing an animated movie, and a toddler, an actual baby, and a kid of about five were half-watching and half-goofing around while the voice actors hammed it up for the production. A mother and father in their fifties, and a young man who looked to be about twelve, were comforting each other in an area away from the television. A few sets of mothers and grandmothers, both much younger and not much older than me, were tending to the smaller children. I could see their eyes above their surgical masks, and they crushed me a little with the range of emotions flickering through them. We were all taken back to be prepped for surgery at the same time. Several children with one parent each, and one middle-aged couple with no little ones at all. With all that must have been on their minds in that moment, I wondered if the families even noticed Tiffany and I walking with them without a child in tow. We giggled, watching a young girl walking slowly backwards, keeping her eyes fixed on the television until the last possible second. When we entered the pre- and post-operative area, I was somewhat heartbroken by the sight of an object whose existence I'd never even considered until I saw it with my own eyes. A hospital bed crib. When I heard the little baby begin to cry, something inside of me let go completely. We were introduced to my nurse and shown into the room where I would be prepped for surgery and where I would recover after. A drafty gown and grippy socks replaced my clothes. An IV was attempted in my right hand, then found a home in my left. I felt the nurse's hands shaking a little when she was prodding my veins. And one by one, the anesthesiologist, her assistant, the fellow who got my consent to proceed, the procedural nurse, and eventually the surgeon, all visited me. They told me what I needed to know and assured me that a temporary visit to oblivion would soon be mine. I felt relaxed. My wife headed back down to spend the day with our dog, and I was wheeled into a room so packed with high-tech equipment that the table upon which I was to be operated looked like an altar in an alien temple. The last thing I remember was the anesthesiologist assuring me it was normal for the fluids she was injecting into my veins to sting a little. The next thing I can remember was asking Tiffany, via complex and drugged out hand gestures, for pen and paper. I was unable to open both eyes at the same time and could not speak. I was given paper and a small marker. Writing was a challenge with almost all the letters scribbled on top of one another, but I managed to get down two critical words which Tiffany understood without too much difficulty. Café Robusto. Tiffany brought me strong coffee, pastries, and water. I was incredibly thirsty, and the food went down like sandpaper biscuits. As soon as I could think and speak a little, I asked her about the children and if they had all survived their procedures. The baby in the room next to me had taken a break from screaming. I worried about and sympathized with the children having to eat the dry-ass food. In retrospect, I realized when even a small bowl of soup tasted dry to me, it was my own mouth which was dry, not the food. Throughout the process, I was surrounded by caring professionals, kind, patient, and genuinely interested in making people whole again. My head had been wrapped in a blanket with little multicolored pastel people holding hands. The logo for the hospital, I think. 
The IV points on my hands were covered by band-aids with cute owls on them, and my every need was looked after by gentle and earnest people who normally spoke in a language of love to children and worried parents. My abstract and somewhat dark take on life was out of place in that environment, for sure, but it was not unwelcome. I felt accepted, embraced, and loved. I was briefly unsettled by the artwork in the room, though. A silhouette of a large fish, composed of the silhouettes of many smaller fish, was done up in a deep sea blue, contrasting pleasantly with the white wall behind it. The whole thing had been made out of stickers of individual sea creatures. However, my eyes and their bleary and drug condition were drawn to something anomalous. One of the smaller fish had been peeled out of formation and pasted back onto the wall in what looked like a tumbling fashion. Gave the appearance of one fish being discarded and left behind as the greater whole swam off. That little fish, tumbling listlessly behind, briefly filled my heart with somber memories and equally dark associations. I remembered being troubled by wallpaper in my own youth, with similarly unsettling images of scenes permanently frozen in time. I was also forced to think about the randomness of fate, the indifferent cruelty of chance peeling fish from the school and feeding them to the sharks, babies with heart troubles, parents with an unquenchable thirst for the safety of their little ones, and the absurdity of the undeservingly fortunate ones who swim along, oblivious to the suffering of others. In my now augmented heart, I hold a little prayer of hope, which I'll sing to myself when I remember it. Oh man, open your eyes to your good fortune. Let it not be ashes in your mouth. Pause when you can to say thank you to the cold hand of chance for not choosing you just yet. And for the love of whatever you choose to worship in the moment, don't be an asshole. Stay on.